Chapter Twenty One of In New England Fields and Woods. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Larry Wilson. In New England Fields and Woods by Roland E. Robinson. July Days. The woods are dense with full grown leafage. Of all the trees, only the basswood has delayed its blossoming to crown the height of summer and fill the sun-steeped air with a perfume that calls all the wild bees from hollow tree and scant woodside gleaning to a wealth of honey-gathering, and all the hive-dwellers from their broad-built homes to a finer and sweeter pillage than is offered by the odorous white sea of buckwheat. Half the flowers of the wood and fields are out of bloom, Herdsgrass, clover, and daisy are falling before the mower. The early grain fields have already caught the color of the sun, and the tasseling corn rustles its broad leaves above the rich loam that the woodcock delights to bore. The dwindling streams have lost their boisterous clamor of springtide, and wimple with subdued voices over beds too shallow to hide a minnow, or his poised shadow on the sunlit shallows. The sharp eye of the angler probes the green depths of the slowly swirling pools, and discovers the secrets of the big fish which congregate therein. The river has marked the stages of its decreasing volume with many lines along its steep banks. It discloses the muskrat's doorway, to which he once dived so gracefully, but now must clumsily climb to. Rafts of driftwood bridge the shallow current sunk so low that the lithe willows bend in vain to kiss its warm bosom this only the swaying trails of water-weeds and rustling sedges toy with now and swift-winged swallows coyly touch there is not depth to hide the scurrying schools of minnows the half of whom fly into the air in a curving burst of silver shower before the rush of a pickerel whose green and mottled sides gleam like a swift-shot arrow in the downright sunbeams the sandpiper tilts along the shelving shore out of an embowered harbor a wood-duck convoys her fleet of ducklings, and on the ripples of their wake the anchored argosies of the water-lilies toss and cast adrift their cargoes of perfume. Above them the green heron perches on an overhanging branch, uncouth but alert, whether sentinel or scout flapping his awkward way along the ambient bends and reaches. With slow wing beats he signals the coming of some more lazily moving boat, that drifts at the languid will of the current or indolent pull of oars that grate on the golden-meshed sand and pebbles lazily unexpectedly the angler casts his line to be only a convenient perch for the dragonflies for the fish save the affrighted minnows and the hungry pickerel are as lazy as he to-day he may enjoy to the full the contemplative man's recreation nor have his contemplations disturbed by any finny folk of the underwater world while dreamily he floats in sunshine and dappled shadow so at one with the placid waters and quiet shores that wood duck sandpiper and heron scarcely note his unobtrusive presence no such easy and meditative pastime attends his brother of the gun who sweating under the burden of lightest apparel and equipment beats the swampy covers where beneath the sprawling alders and arching fronds of fern the woodcock hides not a breath stirs the murky atmosphere of these depths of shade hotter than sunshine not a branch nor leaf moves but with his struggling passage 
or marking with a wake of waving undergrowth the course of his unseen dog except this rustling of branches sedges and ferns the thin continuous piping of the swarming mosquitoes the busy tapping and occasional harsh call of a woodpecker scarcely a sound invades the hot silence till the wake of the hidden dog ceases suddenly and the waving brakes sway with quickening vibrations into stillness behind him then his master draws cautiously near with his gun at ready and an unheeded mosquito drilling his nose the fern leaves burst apart with a sudden shiver and a woodcock uttering that shrill unexplained twitter upsprings in a halo of rapid wing beats and flashes out of sight among leaves and branches as quick the heel plate strikes the alert gunner's shoulder and as if in response to the shock the short unechoed report jars the silence of the woods as if out of the cloud a sulphurous smoke a shower of leaves flutter down with a quick patter of dry twigs and shards of bark and among all these a brown clod drops lifeless and inert to mother earth a woodcock is a woodcock though but three-quarters grown and the shot one that only a quick eye and ready hand may accomplish but would not the achievement have been more worthy the prize richer the sport keener in the gaudy leafage embracing air of october rather than in this sweating heat befogged with clouds of pestering insects when every step is a toil every moment a torture yet men deem it sport and glory if they do not delight in its performance the anxious note and behavior of mother songbirds whose poor little hearts are in as great a flutter as their wings concerning their half-grown broods hatched coincidentally with the woodcock is proof enough to those who would heed it that this is not a proper season for shooting but in some northerly parts of our wide country it is woodcock now or never for the birds bred still further northward are rarely tempted by the coziest copse or half-sunned hillside of open woods to linger for more than a day or two as they fare southward called to warmer days of rest and frostless moonlit nights of feeding under kindlier skies while the night hawks monotonous cry in intermittent boom and the indistinct voice of the whippoorwill ring out in the late twilight of the july evenings the alarmed half guttural chuckle of the grass plover is heard so early migrating in light marching order thin in flesh but strong of wing a poor prize for the gunner whose ardor outruns his humanity and better judgment lean or fat a plover is a plover but would that he might tarry with us till the plump grasshoppers of august and september had clothed his breast and ribs with fatness well let him go if so soon he will so let the woodcock go to offer his best to more fortunate sportsmen what does it profit us to kill merely for the sake of killing and to have to show therefore but a beggarly account of bones and feathers are there not grouse and quail and woodcock waiting for us and while we wait for them can we not content ourselves with indolent angling by shaded streams in these melting days of july rather than contribute the blaze and smoke of gunpowder to the heat and murkiness of midsummer if we must shed blood let us tap the cool veins of the fishes not the hot arteries of brooding mother birds and their fledglings End of chapter 21